0: Hello and welcome to Shut Up and Jimmer, the only, as far as I'm aware, all BYU basketball podcast. I am your host, Steve Pierce, here as always with my co-host, the big man on campus at Vanquish the Foe, Robbie McCombs. Robbie, it was a tough, tough week
1: for BYU sports. How are you feeling? Not well, Steve. I'm still trying to recover. I mean, I off bad with basketball, football had our hearts ripped out in the Holy War. You, you know what this weekend kind of reminded me of? I think it was even worse. You remember that 2008 weekend? BYU had the back-to-back games. In the morning, they played Arizona State in basketball. They played James Harden's Arizona State Sun Devils. And that Charles Abu shot, that should have counted, but the refs decided uh, to bring it back. You remember that game? Yes. And and then at night, the um, BYU lost in the Vegas Bowl to Arizona Wildcats. So that was a bad doubleheader. <laughs> but I think this one beats it, which the basketball game was bad, but just the Holy war that, yeah, this bad, very bad weekend for BYU sports. I
0: mean, whenever it, something involves blowing a 20 point lead to Utah, uh, I think that takes it to kind of, it just its own, its own level. You know, it's, uh, that was rough. And this is a basketball podcast. so We won't dwell on that too much, but man, I'm, I'm a basketball guy and I don't do the football thing too much. But that was that was that was rough, even for me you hate 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 losing to the Utes in anything i I hate losing to the Utes and checkers um but that was that was exceptionally tough stuff,
1: yeah, it was bad and unfortunately basketball didn't do anything to raise our spirits, so I mean, hopefully this next no. week's better but well, I mean we'll get into that in the podcast, but yeah, tough weekend, Steve, but I mean, we'll get into the basketball part of things here.
0: Yeah, we'll soldier on and talk about the, uh, the week that was for the, uh, for the BYU basketball team, which featured one good win and one uh, decidedly not uh, so good loss. Um, but before we do that, just reminding folks, uh, we are on all of the podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, anything that you want to listen to podcasts on, we are probably on there, so if you have a preferred platform, please, please, please find us, subscribe, uh, subscribe to us, rate and review us five stars. Uh, we love five-star reviews, um, and that just makes our life so much better. So if you if you like the podcast, if you're enjoying it, uh, subscribe so you can get the latest episodes straight to your phone uh, as soon as they become available, and you get more awesome uh, BYU content, which this week... Might not have been so much awesome on the content uh fight on the content front. So let's let's dive into that. Two games this week. Uh Rice earlier in the week, uh Houston on Saturday. Let's talk let's start talk by talking about Rice, Robbie. Um a big win for BYU, uh another 20 plus point win against a very bad team. Um very similar to what we saw the previous week, where we had three of those types of wins. What did you see? There was a lot that was good in that game. Uh, so I guess let's start on the positive before we get to the Houston game, which was much less so. What was good uh, in the Rice game from your perspective?
1: Yeah, like you said, it was very similar type of team to the previous four games. Rice is a... I mean, they're at least a team that has a Division One football program. So I mean, they kind of know the name Rice. <laughs> so I mean, at least BYU kind of took care of business. It was nice to see BYU really do well on the offensive end I mean they scored triple digits I think that game kind of gave us a little bit of false sense of hope heading into this next stretch of games where we're really good to know what type of team BYU is but I mean just focusing on the Rice game in a vacuum I mean it was nice TJ he's been really getting going um, this season obviously we'll dive more to in the Houston game but uh, he kind of struggled against the Nevada game a lot of people really break TJ over the coals after that Nevada game but I mean scored I think he had 18 points, eight assists in that game. So it's really facilitating the ball, which is good to see. And then, I mean, obviously we saw what Yoli did, what he's done early in the season, 28 points. He was unstoppable. And then it was, it was really encouraging that game to see Jashir. I mean, Jashir pretty much played a near flawless game. I mean, kind of the, um, scouting report of him coming in out of um, Chipola College when he came to BYU was that he was just a really efficient basketball player. And we just saw that efficiency. Um, he was six to seven. He didn't miss a shot in the first half, made three threes. I mean, he's had a few games this year where he's really hit the three ball. So, kind of coming out of that game, I mean, I was feeling about Jashir. as like, can Jashir be that third, fourth scorer? that consistent score? We, we know he's a good defender. He, has, he could get to the basket, but it was really good to him to finally put together a few games in a row. And then, um, Connor Harding, once again, I mean, last week we were seeing Card- Connor Harding's praises and he was coming up once again with 9.7 boards in that game. So, I mean, the first game of last week, it's like, like, Hey, Connor Harding, our boy, he was, he was doing good things. So, I mean, I mean, there's not a lot to take out the Rice game. BYU did what they're supposed to, scored a lot of points, but I mean, obviously a lot of that went to the wayside versus Houston, but I mean, overall it's was good to see BYU take care of another bad team. BYU actually shot the ball well. um, I think that's pretty much sums it up. Did you see anything else besides those things from the rice game, Steve?
0: It's it's always good to to kind of take care of business. I, I know that we we've said it several times. You know these are bad teams, so there's only so much you can take from from these wins. But you know there are times their team there's BYU has. Had times where they haven't beaten bad teams Or where they've Mm -hmm. kind of messed around And almost lost to bad teams Uh, That wasn't the case here They did start a little slow But kind of back half of the first half And then the entire second half Really put the pedal to the metal and were very dominant. And, you know, agree with all the things uh, that you said about Yoli and TJ and Jasheer and, and Connor really coming to play. Uh, and you even saw some some great contributions from folks further down on the bench who we'd, who we'd uh, been wondering about. Folks like McKay Cannon and, and Rylan Bergerson uh, even showed some signs of life uh, in that game. McKay Cannon had eight points, Rylan Bergerson had six points, three boards, and three assists. Uh, so it was nice to see them. And, and you know, we had the three point shooting. I'm not sure if if this should be in the good or the, or the bad category, but they did shoot 36% from three uh, going 10 for 26, still a lot of attempts. Um, But 36% is better than what they shot the previous week where they shot like 29% from three as a team. So it's an improvement, which is kind of sad that 36% is a market improvement from where they (laughs) were, uh, but still not great. But, And then we got to the we'll get to the Houston game where it really fell off a cliff. But you know, in a in a vacuum, that rice that rice game was had had a lot of good things. Was there anything particularly not great uh, that was worth mentioning from that rice game? Anything that (laughs) there's a few things that kind of re-evidenced themselves in bigger, badder form uh, against Houston. Uh, But what did you see?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of things that happened there was kind of a precursor, kind of what just. What went wrong with the Houston game? I remember our last couple of podcasts, we talked about three-point defense that hadn't come hadn't been BY in the butt yet. I mean, BYU they're giving up a lot of threes, but teams weren't making them. I mean, partly BYU had decent three-point defense, but teams just were missing open three-pointers. And that was kind of the case with Rice. They took 22 threes and they they missed a lot of open looks. So, I mean, BYU got away with it. So, I mean, I think that kind of set the table of what we saw in the Houston game. Teams, not even just Rice, but the preceding games, teams were getting a lot of open looks of threes. The concerning part wasn't even necessarily against zone defense, which is you kind of expect to give open threes. But it's against BYU's man-to-man defense, which is when you're hoping BYU goes man-to-man. They can really lock down, at least on the three, maybe give some penetration. But hey, let's at least lock down the three but no, teams were getting open threes. Luckily, they were just missing them. And that was kind of the case with Rice. And again, that kind of manifested itself in the Houston game. But overall, there wasn't a lot. I mean, the offense was no, pretty much not many complaints there. Uh, the defense, there was some lapses there. I mean, you give up 79 points. Granted, you're going to give up some points when you're at a higher pace. But for me, it was just some, those preceding factors. Is mainly the three-point defense, which really... Manifested itself later in the week, but three point defense was the biggest thing I saw. I mean, kind of a slow start, but not too much bad to take away. But like we said, there was some things we talked about earlier in the podcast, bad things that we saw that eventually reared its ugly head later on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean that slow start. They were BYU is actually down three points with eleven minutes left in the in the first half, and that's kind of been a consistent thing for for BYU all year kind of starting slow out of the gate, which I I didn't feel like they really did against Houston. I thought they came out pretty, pretty well and then kind of fell apart in the second half. The wheels really came off. Um, but that's the thing I think to continue monitoring moving forward are those slow starts. Um, I've said a lot about the three point defense and I will say a lot more (laughs) when we get to the Houston game here in a second. Um, and then the other thing I saw, which also came to, to bear in the Houston game a bit was the second chance points. They gave up 13 second chance points, uh, to rice rice not a particularly huge team byu is very undersized this year uh and them figuring out how to rebound defensively uh, will be i think a big a big piece of whether or not they can end up being ultimately successful this year um because they're just they're just so small down low they don't have a lot of folks outside of yoli and maybe gavin baxter when he's in luke worthington hasn't played a lot um they're playing a lot of really small lineups and that's good i think it's good for them offensively uh, but it, it can be a real struggle for them to clean the defensive glass and, and mm-hmm. giving teams second chances and, and second opportunities. Uh, ultimately you keep doing that. It's going to, it's going to come back to bite you. And I think it, it did a little bit against Houston.
1: Yeah. And, uh, on Saturday. And I think what it's kind of masked BYU and pastures, I mean, BYU has had times when they've been small. I mean, granted they had Eric Miko a couple of years ago, but what's really helped BYU rebounding is that they've had guards that can rebound. I mean, obviously they had Kyle Collinsworth for, for four years. He right. was, a uh, elite rebounder at guard. Last year, even they had Elijah Bryant who really took upon that role as a really solid rebounder from the guard line. Right. So for BYU, what's really masked those rebounding problems is that BYU has always had a good guard that can defend. And early this season, it looks like maybe Connor Harding could really fill that role as a 6'6 guy. I mean, he's had shown flashers so where he has rebounded well, but he just hasn't had the... I mean, this is kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but he just hasn't shown the consistency. He doesn't have the minutes and the experience yet to just be the extra rebounder. It's like, that says, "Hey, maybe Buoy is a little bit undersized in size, but we have a really elite rebounder at guard, and BOA just doesn't have that right now. Being undersized, it's really um, it's caused BOA some problems early, just not having an extra rebounder to make up for that lack of size." Uh-huh. And that's a that's a great point
0: about Harding potentially playing that that Collinsworth slash Bryant big guard rebounding role. I think you've relied a lot on Yoli and, and on Dalton Nixon. Um, and they've done a, an admirable job, but I think having that extra guy who can really cr- crash the glass, um, will be really big. And I think it's, you know, how much can you rely on a freshman, which we'll talk, uh, talk a little bit about right now, I guess, as we should get into Houston. Um, Good win earlier in the week uh, over Rice. Expected win the Houston game. That was, I think, you and I both felt where we would really, really get a sense of a test of mm-hmm. to see where BYU basketball is at this point in the season and how much farther they have to go. Turns out the answer is they have quite a quite a ways to go still. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that they can traverse it. I'm, not, I'm increasingly skeptical. But let's let's start let's start on the good things. What was good in the Houston game? I think. This <laughs> This could probably be pretty short. What was the what was the good stuff that happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, TJ, I mean, if TJ wasn't playing just like an all-conference player, BYU would have lost 20, 30 points. I mean, TJ was fantastic, um, especially that first half. He had 25 points, six and twelve on threes. And the nice thing is the threes he was making is just TJ is he's very confident now. Um, that Nevada game, he was a little he was I mean, he's he's guarded by Cody Martin in that game, but he was just didn't just seem to have that just swagger that tj plays with but the past five games and it really manifested itself i think at the houston game tj had a season high 25 points the threes he was making you could tell he was just confident he wasn't just oh i need to hoist this up like he came down he'd come off a screen hoist it right up he just was not hesitating When I mean tj is not hesitating when he's looking to get a shot and then facilitating that's when tj is really successful and but the downside yeah. he only had three assists that game and I mean, but part of it, nobody else is making shots. Because TJ, he's best in that playmaking role, not only when he's really making shots, but when he's creating for other players. Because TJ is just such a good passer, such a crafty player. But he had three assists, but I think I think you can't really put that on TJ. I mean, we wanted TJ to shoot in the second half, I think pretty much every time. It's like, Zach Sellis yeah. isn't going isn't to shoot a shot. Let's have TJ shoot it. So, I mean, TJ was good. I mean, I mean Yoli, Yoli had 16 points, but I mean, he kind of struggle with a double team um is there much else positive you saw from that game steve besides no TJ? i
0: mean i think that the i think the point about tj tj obviously was carrying the entire it felt like the most of the time the entire offensive load by himself and when he has to worry about so much of his own scoring because the scoring isn't coming from really anywhere else other than maybe yoli but i think yoli was pretty inefficient um mm-hmm. in the way he was doing it obviously got his points but but it it was a struggle for him with the double team, like you mentioned. Um, But when when TJ has to carry that offensive load, it takes him out of the game as a playmaker, as a facilitator, which, you know, like you said, and I agree, is where he's really most valuable. Yes, he's going to get his own points and he should look for his own shot, but he can really open up a lot of things if he can uh, create for, for his teammates. Now his teammates have to take the shots, <laughs> yeah. which we could talk about. But uh, but I think that, that it kind of takes away that dimension uh, of his game when he has to be so worried about being the only guy who can make shots and create shots uh, for himself. Uh, and I think that that's to the detriment of the team. But other than TJ, TJ yeah. was incredible. Yeah. Um, and like you said, people have been up and down on TJ all year, and I've chided folks <laughs> for that regularly because mm-hmm. this team does not go anywhere without TJ Haas, and he's been incredible this last week or two, and you can really see him settling. It's almost like seeing Lone Peak TJ uh, come back again. You yeah. see, you remember seeing him there in high school taking the deep threes, especially off off, off the dribble, looking really confident, looking... Uh, like he really has a belief that he can make those shots. I I you kind of see that crazy look in TJ's eye right now. And that's a, that's, I think a good thing for BYU fans. Um, but other than TJ, it was pretty dark out there. I mean, you had Dalton Nixon kind of doing the dirty work that he always does five points, six boards, four assists, you know, Dalton's always going to bring the energy and bring yep. the, bring the effort. Um, and so that's, you know, he's not shooting great from three. I think he's you know 1 for 12 on the year which is which is very bad yeah. um but you know he you know that he's always going to he, he's going to positively impact the game in some way um mm-hmm. but beyond that you know it it was just it was really bad especially yeah. in the second half the, the, they they kind of hung around the first half despite not playing that well um but the wheels just came off in the second half and and BYU they didn't even look like they belonged on the on the floor at all. Um, particularly in that second half, uh, it just looked like they were on another planet. Uh, so let's dive into the bad the bad stuff <laughs> oh and boy. figure out what the problem is. Um, what let's t- let's look at offense first, and then we'll talk about defense because I think there's different problems on each. Um, on the offense, what do you, what what were you seeing, Robbie, in terms of why this this game just sucked
1: so bad? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put. It. I- Good way to put it. I think first of all, I think one thing that was particularly I don't know depressing, I guess if you want to say. I mean, hats off to Houston, and they have some good guys, but I don't. To me, Steve, at least Houston doesn't look like a team that's going to be. They don't. They're not. They don't look like a top twenty-five caliber team. No, they, no, they look like a team that's going to be on the bubble, kind of where BYU wants to be. Like this team wasn't that good. It was more BYU was bad. Like Houston, they had some decent guards, but they don't have good size, and BYU just didn't look good against a solid team but not that good of a team so that was really concerning and um, I guess one thing that we were that past couple of weeks that we were like it looked like BYU is finally having some depth um, I remember I mentioned last week it looked like BYU could go 8 to 9 guys deep and man Houston's like does BYU have three, four guys that are division one basketball players on this team. It was just really no. bad. I mean, you had TJ. My dad
0: texted me like halfway
1: <laughs> through the game. He's like, we look like we have three guys Seriously. who should be playing division one basketball. <laughs> I know. It was so frustrating. And I mean, Zach, Zach sellius I mean, he's there to shoot threes, but he lost all confidence in his shot. I mean, after he airballed that set, that look in the first half, he was over two. He didn't shoot again. He didn't shoot again in the second half, and he was trying to put the ball on the floor. I mean, if you're going to try to put the ball on the floor against Houston guards, I mean, good luck. I mean, he had zero confidence in his shot. Was not looking for shot. Passed up open shots. I mean, honestly, if Zach Slade isn't going to shoot threes, put him on the bench. I mean, he's if he's not going to make threes, he's not he's not worth a starting spot. He's not worth a rotation spot. So I mean, that was really just dis, dis, very disappointing that Zach wasn't looking for his shot. Um, Last week we were joking that we're going to name this the Connor Harding podcast. And Connor Harding, I mean, still love the guy, but I mean, he had his first, I think, really freshman moment. So I mean, I'm not going to bang on Carter too hard. Um, he just kind of looked over his head a little bit. I think he tried to do a little bit too much, turned the ball over, just didn't look comfortable. Cause That's the thing that's been impressive to me of Connor Harding through the first six games, just how comfortable he looked, even in that Nevada loss. He just didn't look comfortable last night. And I don't take too much from that. I think he'll turn things around. I mean, he's a freshman, so you expect those. And then kind of going on the freshman thing, um, Gavin Baxter, just very ineffective. I mean, maybe he's just still feeling the lingering effects of that concussion. But, I mean, the two times Bowie threw the ball down to him, he didn't catch the ball, and it resulted in a turnover. So, I mean, really poor games from the freshmen, which, I mean, they're freshmen. They've played well so far, so you kind of expect them to have a game like this. And then, yeah, just the depth. I mean, Cannon was bad. I mean, he finally had that 1-3, but, I mean, he's like bad this year. Bergerson <laughs> looked bad again. I mean, I hate... Just talking bad about college kids. I mean, they had a b- bad game. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's just the talent view. I just did not look like they had talent. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah. it, it just looked bad. And it's rough. I mean, you know,
0: you can't, you can't put too much on the freshmen because they're they're freshmen and you expect freshmen to act like freshmen particularly in bigger moments that they're not used to so harding baxter that's understandable Mm -hmm. but this is a team that has eight juniors right this is a team that has some experience that was supposed to look a little bit more uh on top of things in these moments and we just didn't we just didn't see it i I mentioned I felt like Yoli didn't really handle uh, the pressure that well. I mean, he, he obviously got his points, but I think rather inefficiently, um, didn't really handle the double team that well. Uh, I think it kind of flummoxed them. Zach, I totally agree. If Zach isn't going to take shots, like I don't care if Zach doesn't make the shots, like Mm -hmm. obviously I want him to make the shots, but if he, I'm fine with him taking the shots, if they're good shots and missing them, because I think that he's a good enough shooter that they will start to go in. If he just takes them Um, and he gets to see one or two go in, they'll get a little more confidence and more will start going in. But if he's not going to even take the shots, he needs to sit down. Mm-hmm. They need to not play Zach Selyas if he's not going to take open shots. And then, you know, the the part that we've really talked a lot about is those last, you know, we knew that there's about six solid guys, kind of the starting five. I, I don't know if we can put Zach Selyas in there anymore um, based on what we saw on Saturday. But you have five or six guys that are really, really solid. And then, you know, we thought that maybe, you know, rotation spot seven, eight, nine even might Firm up and actually give them something, but the the bench just looked awful, awful. It yeah. it's just it was awful. And the reality is, the big problem is nobody can score, right? And I mentioned TJ being the only TJ is the only guy on this team right now who can create shots for himself. Jashir can do it. Can do it too. He's got the quickness. He can get to the lane. But he was just weirdly not engaged at all. That, he took five really shots odd. the entire game. Yeah, it was very odd. I wasn't especially after he killed against Rice. I was a little confused by that. But TJ and are really, the only guys can get their own shots. Yoli can get his own shot if you get it to him on the block. He can he can always get a shot. I think he settles for bad shots too often with those fadeaways, um, tough shots. But you know you have a very limited number of guys uh, who can who can get their own shot and. You know, it's, 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 that's kind of problem number one, which, you know, it's to me, you desperately need a Nick Emery to kind of help address that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that we know, Nick, for whatever, whatever you think of Nick, he can create his own shot off the dribble. He can make things happen. He has the ball handling skills. Um, he has that prolific, that, uh, that efficiency as a scorer to be able to do that, Um And so I think that's kind of problem number one. Nobody can create their own shot. And then problem number two is even if, even if TJ or, or Jasheer or somebody creates shots for other people, they can't make them. They shot 40% from the floor, which is awful. They shot 28% from three, which is even worse. It was, it was, I cannot under, I cannot understate. I usually try and keep a pretty calm head, particularly in the non conference, because I know they're kind of figuring things out, but this was incredibly. Disheartening. This it was yeah. they
1: just looked awful. They didn't even look like they belonged on the same floor as Houston. Mm-mm. And like you mentioned, Houston's not that good. <laughs> no. And kind of what you go on and said before, kinda of, kind of going to coaching, I mean it is November, and it's just one game, so you don't want to like draw rash conclusions. Because I think BU there will be things they improve on. But one thing I thought BU would be good on this year, is I think I kind of put this on coaching a little bit. You knew going into the year BU had two really good players that Yoli Childs and they had TJ Haas. So you think coaches in the offseason would know, hey, a lot of teams are going to double team Yoli Childs because he's. Bioy doesn't have a lot of really good options. So, teams are obviously going to double team Yoli and force other guys to step up. And it looked to me, Bioy just did not have a good plan for when Yoli Childs was double teamed. And he was double teamed. He just, guys were kind of just standing around. There wasn't a lot of action going off around the ball. And that was just really concerning to me. And Bioy had a whole offseason to prepare for. Okay, teams are going to double team Yoli Childs. How do we counteract that? And it looked like Bioy had zero plan to do when Yoli Childs was double team. I mean, Yoli Childs looked lost at times, but the rest of the team looked lost at times and the coaches when Yoli was double-teamed. So that was really concerning to me, alarming that you knew this was going to happen and BYU just did not seem to have a plan for that. So, I mean, yeah, lots of really bad things. I mean, you hope to get tightened up, but man, Steve, Yeah. yeah, there was some definite red flags from that game.
0: Yeah, and we didn't even talk about the offense. other side. <laughs> yeah, that was just the offense. Let's flip over and talk about the defense briefly. Uh, there's a, I saw a couple big things. Number one, we talked about it with the, in the Rice game. We talked about it last week. The three-point defense continues to be bad, and we said you know, they were giving up a lot of looks to these bad teams, and the bad teams just weren't knocking them down, and they were kind of skating by, but that when they played an uh, even average good team, those, those looks would go in. We saw that happen against Houston. Houston took 26 threes, made 42% of them. Uh, lucky for BYU, they didn't make more. Mm-hmm. Uh, C- Cedric Alley Jr., who was a power forward, hit five all by himself. And I know going into the game, he shot like 27% from three. Um, and so I remember Dave, Dave McCann saying, you know, that probably wasn't on the scouting report. But guess what? After he hits three adjust. on you in the first half, maybe you need to adjust to try and take it away and find that guy and stick with him and not let him take more. Um, but it, was, it wasn't it was just Cedric Alley Jr. It was, it was everybody. And I think... The big struggle is that they just weren't finding shooters in transition. They weren't, and in the half court, they weren't rotating and closing out well. So guys were just getting open looks. And when you have good teams, and is B- going to play a lot better teams than Houston, they're going to make those shots. These are Division I college basketball players. They are very good. They will make wide open threes if you give it to them. Um, they kind of dodged a bullet when Nevada didn't for some weird reason. First game of the year, you can throw that out. But, you know, if, when they get into San Diego State and Gonzaga and Mississippi State and Utah even like these are teams that are going to make you pay if you leave them open. And so that's a huge problem Um, And then the other thing is they just they got murdered in the paint Mm -hmm. Um, Houston had 32 points in the paint 11 offensive rebounds It just seemed a lot of times like there was an open lane going right to the basket where Houston's speedy little guards would Just beat their first guy and there would be no help there to help him out Um, It wasn't like there was a lot of you know back to the basket type stuff. It was just it was just drives and you know when you add all that stuff up, the story of the game was Houston had 32 points in the paint. They had 33 points off of three pointers. They got another five off of free throws. That all adds up to 70 points. 70 of their 76 points were at the rim from deep or at the free throw line, which are the most efficient areas to score. Only six of their points came from mid-range type shots, which are the toughest shots to hit, least efficient, we know from advanced analytics. So BYU is giving up To me, that says BYU is giving up too many easy shots. That is too easy for folks. If they're letting them shoot open threes, get to the rim at will, you are going to lose every time to good teams when you do that. So BYU, as we move forward, again, we need to learn from this and build from this. BYU needs to force teams
1: to take tougher shots because what happened on Saturday is not going to cut it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think you hit the head of there on a lot of the defensive things, and I think both of us, I in particular, I try not to overreact after games, especially in basketball. I, I think football fans, I think a lot of BOE fans, they come into it since we're independent, we lose one or two games, and BOE fans are used to freaking out. Basketball is a lot more different. You could drop a, drop games and be fine, and so I think definitely, obviously, we're, not a, we're trying not to make rash reactions, but I think a lot of these are just definitely things BYU needs to work on. It's not like, oh, BYU just didn't hit shots. BYU a good shooting team they will fix itself down the road. So I know these are things that, Houston's a solid team, but BOI's going to face better teams. Obviously Gonzaga and St. Mary's, but the WCC as a whole is getting better. BYU has some tough teams in non-conference schedules still. So I mean, BYU is really going to need to buckle down. So I guess to tie things at a bow, takeaway moving forward, um, the first thing to me is, first, TJ and Yoli need help. And I th- Obviously, Nick Emery is a guy. Is, is he going to be that third score? What, what's he going to be like coming back? he still has two more games without Nick Emery. He's going to come back next week, December 5th, versus Utah State. But, I mean, where's Nick Emery going to be back? He missed all of last season. He's already missed the first nine games of this year. Is it really feasible to expect Nick Emery to come in right away, right in the in the core, the meaty part of your non-conference schedule and be that guy that could get you 12 to 15 points off the bench? I personally don't think it is. I think... Nick Embry has the potential to be that, but I think that's too much to ask of him going right away. So if BYU needs guys to step up. Whether it be just your Hardnett, whether it be Connor Harding more consistent, be more consistent. But again, that's asking guys that haven't been game in, game out consistent throughout the year. Now BYU is asking those guys to be consistent, and to me, this is really the first game BYU really missed Elijah Bryant that third score. So I mean, BYU is going to have to find that third guy, and whether it's Nick. He's gonna. I think Nick's gonna have to be that guy, um, or it's gonna be sheer whoever it is. Just, BYU just doesn't have a lot of guys outside of TJ and Yoli that could night in, night out put the ball in the basket. Yeah, BYU
0: fans need to pray that Nick Emery is ready to rock and roll mm-hmm. because uh, so far, and I could be wrong. I just think it's a lot to ask. I, th- I think is it's it's a pretty big ask to think that there's going to be some magic, uh, internal improvement and, and consistency found, uh, in terms of, who can who who can get it done offensively night in and night out. I think Nick Emery has to kind of be that guy. He's the one with the pedigree to do it. Um and we better pray he can. And then the defense, obviously there's there's huge problems there that need to be sorted out. They can't continue uh, mm. to play like they done on Saturday and expect to be in even be in games with with good teams. Um which they're gonna have a couple this week. A couple of games with maybe not Houston caliber teams, but but very good teams nonetheless. Let's really quickly the last few minutes Talk a little bit about what's on the horizon. Uh, two games this week. First at Illinois State. Um, Illinois State, uh, a pretty good team, ranked 125 in chem Palm five and two on the year uh, so far. Haven't had any really bad losses. Almost lost to Chicago State though, which uh, Chicago State is bad. should probably cancel their basketball program. <laughs> they're yeah. they're awful.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll take it from here. Yeah, they beat Boise State this year. I mean, which is a solid win. And kind of looking at Illinois State, they kind of have similar personnel to Houston, which. Obviously, probably doesn't bode well for BYU. I mean, they're kind of similar size-wise to Houston. They only start one guy over 6'6", which is the same exact way as Houston. And then just one guy to keep an eye on is uh, their guard forward, Malik Har- Yarbrough. Um, this guy is super versatile. He can play anywhere from point guard. They play him a lot at power forward, though. It's just a six guard forward super strong um he averages about eight boards for them puts up 16 points per game and he's a senior so i mean he's done this for multiple years he's i think two or three years now he's been an all missouri valley conference player so one of the best mid-major players in the country so honestly he's probably better than any player houston has um i don't think Kite has the depth but they are a very very experienced team they start four seniors and one junior i mean you probably remember steve just two years ago they won 30 games and were robbed of an NCW tournament yeah. tournament at a-, a-, a St. Mary's. So, I mean, they kind of up their non-conference schedule and I think their fans are really going to come out for this game. It's not very often that they get big opponents. I mean, BYU is not a huge opponent, but I mean, compared to what um, Illinois state normally gets out of conference, I think their fans are going to be really excited for this game. They started out decent. So, I mean, they do have some similarities to Houston. They have really good guards. They're not very big. So, I mean, and it's going to be on the road. I, don't have super high hopes for that one but i mean that's the first game and then after that we're gonna the first of three in-state teams we got weber state uh weber's a sneaky good team and they're top 150 team 149 in Kenpom. um they don't have any good wins really on the year the three and two so far and if you remember that last year game uh, last year's game is in salt lake city BYU one 74 68 and they have one really good guard named jarek harding Um, He had 29 last year versus BYU, and he's already putting up 26 this year. So he's one of the top scorers in the country. So, I mean, two games which BYU definitely can win, but two games BYU definitely could lose, especially being on the road.
0: Yeah, and I think that people... These are probably games that weren't circled on a lot of folks' calendars because they're focused on the bigger names that they're more familiar with. But Illinois State's a very good team. They were picked to win the Missouri Valley Conference this year. And the Missouri Valley Conference is a very good conference. They sent a team to the Final Four last year in Loyola, Chicago. So... Illinois state is a very good team. They've, they've got a kind of gotten off to kind of an uneven start, but being on the road in, we know how hard it is to win on the road in college basketball, uh, doing that in their arena is going to be, it's going to be very hard for BYU to come away, uh, with a victory. BYU is going to have to play really well. And then Weber state, I think folks tend to discount Weber state because BYU pretty much always beats them. But you know, Jarek Harding is is a handful. That guy is a problem, and BYU is going to have to really focus on locking him down. And BYU, you know, on a neutral floor last year, like you said, only won by six points. So uh, I, that's the thing where I see if BYU could BYU overlooks Weber State and tries to look past them to the next week when they're playing Utah State and Utah, who folks might think are you know more worthy opponents. That's a game I could see BYU easily getting tripped up by uh, and potentially dropping. So this is, this is a, this is kind of a scary week that it's possible that, you know, BYU can rebound, uh, regroup after the Houston loss and come back and get two really solid wins here on the road. That would be, look really good on the resume. I think come March or, you know, the wheels could totally come off and they could lose two games on the road this week and, and send them into kind of the, the big Utah state Utah week on a three game losing streak. Uh, so it can kind of go either way. This is, this mm-hmm. kind of could be a pivotal week. Um, any
1: predictions, Robbie, on on kind of kind of who how this how this uh, sorts out? Yeah, I mean, we both kind of mentioned it. it could go either way. I do think BYU they kind of bounce back versus Houston. I mean, what you see oftentimes, BYU is a solid team. They have some good talent. You see teams they just have a really bad game, like BYU did versus Houston. They tend to have really good practices the week after. The coaches tend to get after them. They teams oftentimes tend to bounce back after a bad performance. But I think Illinois State's a good team. I and mean, we both had this circled kind of on the calendar before as a not like a trap game necessarily because Illinois State's a good team, but definitely a game BYU should watch out for. And kind of looking into Illinois State's personnel and seeing just what we saw from Houston. Illinois State, very similar personnel-wise to Houston. I think with Malik Yarbrough, is going to be a handful for BYU. I think BYU would be better equipped to handle maybe a little bit better at Jarek type of Harding because Jashir could kind of, since he's small, Jashir could kind of match up with his quickness. But Buy doesn't have anybody who could guard with, just go against a big 6'6 guard, Malik Yarbrough. They don't have Elijah Bryant anymore. So I think Buy's going to struggle with him. I do think we see a little bit better performance. I think BYU wakes up a little bit. But I think BYU ends up falling on the road to Illinois State. And then Weber, I mean, that game, like you said, it's it's going to be a big game for Weber. I think that same day, they have their playoff game in the for the FCS playoffs. So their athletic department's really marketing it as a big day for Weber. They're saying, hey, come to the BYU game in the afternoon and then stay for a basketball football game at night. So I think that crowd's going to be really amped up. There's going to be more Weber fans than there usually is. But I do think BYU does have more talent than Weber, so I think BYU does come out against Weber. So my prediction is a split: a loss to Illinois State, and then a win on the road at Weber. Uh, what's your What's your prediction, Steve? Do you see it the same way, or do you think BYU goes two and zero this week? Uh, I concur. I think it's
0: probably a split. I think, uh, I think BYU needs to be really worried about Weber state. Uh, I think they will pull out a close win there, but I think that, you know, Illinois state on the road, it's just a, it's a tough ask. Uh, and I think that, I I think that hopefully, hopefully they bounce back and they learn some things, uh, and they very well could win that game, uh, but it's just it's just tough. It's also the first real road game of the year. I mean, they went to Nevada, but Nevada is kind of a, a short Scott uh, a short hop, skip, and a jump away from Provo. It's not too far. Uh, this is going all the way out to the middle of nowhere in Illinois, mm-hmm. um, and that's just a different that's a different experience for a team. Uh, and so the kind of the first one of those, uh, maybe really the only one where they're really traveling really far uh, in the regular season this year. Um, I think that's that that can factor into it. So I, I would say a loss to Illinois State. Uh, a close one hopefully uh and then a probably a, clo- a closer than expected win uh, against Weaver State but you know hopefully you know we're obviously hoping for 2 and 0 i think this is this, there is a great potential for this team to to bounce back to learn from saturday uh, and to to chart a new trajectory going forward uh from this point and really and really build starting this week with with a, some winnable uh but challenging but challenging games so we'll we'll see how it turns out um, before we get out of here Robbie any any final thoughts on, on the week and, and carrying forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of summed it up. I mean, football's kind of really dis- disheartening right now. But I mean, I do have some hope about this BYU team. I, it is November. I think BYU will turn things around. But yeah, like you said, I, two wins would be really big for BYU going forward, especially since they do have some tough non-conference games coming up, particularly the week after with Utah State and Utah. Well, let me say this,
0: my friend, and to all of Cougar Nation, there's a musical with a little red-haired girl named Annie, and Annie told us that the sun will come out tomorrow, even, even if it doesn't feel like it after losing to the Utes and getting pasted in basketball to the point where you don't look like you should deserve to be on the same floor as the other team. The sun will come out tomorrow. It's a new week. Hopefully it's a week with two BYU wins in basketball. Uh, we'll wait and see, but we'll certainly we'll certainly be watching and cheering on our Cougars. Remember, if you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, Robbie is at our team McCombs. I'm at PostGimmer. And if you don't like what you hear, you can also follow us on Twitter and yell at us, which is what a lot of people do. And also remember, please subscribe, rate, review all of that helps us tremendously we appreciate you tuning in to shut up and jimmer we appreciate your support uh and we appreciate your support uh for the cougars even in some darker times let's make this week a better one go cougars